When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Terrio Media. Success in real estate has nothing to do with shiny objects. It has everything to do with mastering the basics. The three pillars of real estate investing. Attract, convert, exit. Matt Terrio has been helping real estate investors do just that for more than a decade now. If you want to make money in real estate, keep listening. If you want it faster, visit reiace.com. Here's Matt. Hey there, Epic Investor. It's Matt Terrio from Epic Real Estate, where we show people how to invest in real estate using more of their mind than their money, using creative real estate investing strategies with an emphasis on escaping that daily grind and retiring early. If this is your first time here, really glad that you found us. If you like what you hear, make sure you hit the subscribe button before you go. And if this is not your first time here, welcome back. And thank you for continuing to share this with your friends and family. You're the absolute best for doing that. Appreciate you so much for that. Thank you. So in today's show, I've got a great guest for you who got his start with six-figure flips in residential property and in six short years has transitioned to eight-figure flips of commercial property. And then I've got the news, and I've also got This Week in Crypto. And today's sponsor of the show, REI Black Book. It's everything you need to run your real estate investing business all in one place. You can convert more of your leads into deals and build a predictable sales system with the only all-in-one marketing and sales toolkit built for investors like you. Get 14 days free access plus... Their automated follow-up machine absolutely free at epicblackbook.com. Alrighty, on the phone, my guest today has been coined Mr. Adelevel for his extensive knowledge of construction and heavy renovations. He specializes in implementing effective profitability, optimization strategies and systems, and conducting complex financial valuations and analysis. He hosts a variety of educational events, including the Add a Level Bus Tour, Fix and Flip Foundation Workshop, and Real Estate Riches Mastermind. He is passionate about teaching, growing, and inspiring others to systematically operate their businesses and reach their peak potential. In addition to his entrepreneurial passions, he believes in giving back through his philanthropic efforts, and he travels to Guatemala annually on mission trips to build homes and support the community of Zacapa. Please help me welcome to the show, Mr. Gabe Da Silva. Gabe, welcome to Epic Real Estate Investing. Thanks for having me on, buddy. I'm excited to chop it up. Yeah, totally. Um, I don't know too much about your background. I know we've uh, hung out at our, at our mastermind group and, and you know, broke bread, had drinks, chopped it up there. 
but let me know what you were doing just before you got into real estate and what inspired that transition. Yeah. So uh, in a past life, I was in the food service industry. So I owned and operated a restaurant for uh, four years and uh, learned a ton. I logged 10,000 hours as a restaurant operator, attained mm-hmm. mastery in that world, in that industry, and uh, then wound up where I belonged anyway, because uh, I grew up in and around real estate and construction in particular. So mm-hmm. my calling was always there. So my first foray into entrepreneurship was food. And uh, then uh, I found my way into real estate after selling that restaurant. Sweet. So you actually owned a restaurant. Yeah, I owned it with a partner. We did, uh, I think, a little over four years together. And then uh, I sold internally to him. He went on to run it for a couple more years. And now he's actually in real estate too, coincidentally. Oh, sweet. Is it as tough as they say it is, that business? Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. I I say it's the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And I'm in recovery. So you can imagine, (laughs) like, getting sober was easier than running a restaurant. Okay, really? Wow. (laughs) Because I think that's, you know, for people that don't know better, and I would put myself in that category, you know, I've always wanted like my own sports bar, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I always wanted like my kind of place where I could go and get a hamburger and a beer and it'd be my place. But uh, you recommend against that. Yeah. If you need it to work, one thing I'll say about the food service industry, like um, I guess I'm kind of a masochist in this way. I would get back into food service, but mm-hmm. you need to not need to have it work. Like if it's something that you can do and you can put an operator in place and you've got capital, you've mm-hmm. got a runway, do it, right? Because it, it, it can work. It just needs a lot of time to work. Um, and if you need it to work, if you come out of the gate like we did, we had $12,000 in the bank and our cost of goods sold was 36000 in month one. We had no runway. Every mm-hmm. day your sales had to exceed your expenses. That's a really hard way to start any business, especially right. one where, <laughs> where the shelf life is under a week. Right, right. Oh, totally. Cool. So you got into real estate. So you said you've always been surrounded by it. How so? So my dad is a first generation builder, came over and learned the trades from Portugal and learned plumbing, then learned masonry, then learned how to hang drywall and framing and ultimately uh, was doing his own um, building. He was his own GC and running his own projects. I grew up around the job sites. I grew up helping in the summer, sweeping up job sites. I grew up around the kitchen table with him reviewing blueprints and uh, uh, reviewing proposals and, and giving and getting bids. So it just subconsciously as a kid, you pick up so much more than you realize. Like mm-hmm. you already speak the language. Uh, having been on job sites, you just know how to carry yourself, you know, on a job site, things like that. That, uh, and, you know, as parents often do, they advocate for their children to go to school and get away from that stuff. Like they knew that as hard labor working with your hands. And so they advocated for school, which I went on to do and then get that, you know, corporate job, work in finance, all that. But, um, but yeah, my experience as a child served me really well when I finally did transition into, into construction and uh, real estate investing. That's interesting. Yeah. My son, he, he's 10, but uh, probably when he's about six or seven or so, he would mimic me on my YouTube videos and uh, he would do his own little videos. And I, I said, okay, you got to write your little script and everything. And he just started going, yeah, so you need cash flow, and it's all about passive income. And that's how you become financially free. And it was just funny. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that evolves and develops when he's older. Cool. So your foundation was very much sounds like in construction and, and that type of rehab work. Mm-hmm. Um, what did it look like making that transition to Cohen and be a, a real estate investor? 
Yeah. So I did what I, I did what I knew best, which was rehab. Like the mm-hmm. first deal out of the gate was a cosmetic rehab turned into a gut rehab. Just, uh, I mismanaged the project. And before I knew it, I had a completely gutted house that I needed to renovate. And because I had the construction savvy, I leaned into that and said, mm-hmm. all right, well, look, this was meant to be a cosmetic rehab and net 40K. Uh, it wound up being a gut rehab and we did 86K here. Like maybe there's something to that. Let's see if these construction heavy value add style renovations um, make more sense. And we went on to do a lot of those. So then the next one was an addition. The next one was an add a level. The one after that was new construction. And slowly we evolved into developers. It's an evolution that just makes sense if you either have the construction savvy, if, if you're knowledgeable in that, or if your partner is, right? Because uh, what we found now is that a lot of guys and girls are getting together and the finance, the capital partners there, and then they've partnered with a GC or a tradesman who understands construction. And now they're um, coming together and doing the type of stuff that we've been doing for a few years on our own. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's what the kind of evolution is looking like now. And, and again, what I say, like, you can flip a house, you can flip an office building. And that's what we're doing now. Now we're taking that skill set and applying it to a different asset class. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how long, how long ago was that when that first, uh, first deal happened? Six, so six years. Six years. Okay. So relatively new for you. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, I mean, my thing was just always and ever be like evolving as an entrepreneur and business owner and just be looking at what's the next thing. Like you don't have to do more of what you did to get where you are, to get where you want to go that whole thing. So like, just cause you know how to do that one thing, don't, don't be that one trick pony. Uh, you can continue to do that thing. If it's paying the bills and it's cash flowing, uh, figure out how to delegate and elevate to the next thing. And, you know, I've just been really true to that. Mm-hmm. Cool. So I'm always interested in how people find their deals. Cause I feel like, you know, if you have the extra strategy where you're going to rehab it and sell it, or you're going to rehab it and, and, uh, and hold on to it, or you're just going to wholesale it. You know, it all comes, nothing happens until you find the deal. So, you know, how did you go about finding your first deals and how do you do it today? So when we were starting, you could pick these opportunities off MLS. Mm -hmm. Like it was that easy. Because you were doing the value add construction heavy kind of approach, you were able to pay retail because you were going to force appreciation by doubling the square footage. Mm -hmm. And so early on, it was easy, right? We Mm -hmm. then had to start marketing direct to sellers. We had to learn how to go find our own stuff. One thing I'll say really served us is as we were doing those projects early on, the ones we were just picking up off MLS, uh, anything worth doing is worth documenting. So I was just very diligent about recording and documenting and disseminating what we were doing. So organically, we generate lead flow three to one organic versus paid today as a result of that early work put in. Uh, we just position ourselves as the guys that do these types of projects. So when people have them locally, our name comes to mind. So organically, uh, that's what serves us now. And I know people listening and often my students say, well, organic, that's easy for you to say you've got a following. Well, you start somewhere, right? So create the following, start somewhere. Um, but then we started to layer on paid stuff too, just like anybody else, right? We use deal machine. We drive for dollars. We send out mail. We run ads. We do that. We have a billboard. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just whatever it is, your one foundational marketing effort, that's the one you build upon. That's the one you really get dialed in. And then from there, you can start getting creative, but um, like drive for dollars. It, it's I advocate for that because it doesn't cost anything. So that's right. Mm-hmm. I tell all my students to start. Right. 
Yeah, I have actually a very similar story because I didn't know anything about this marketing stuff when I got started. And it was all about relationships. It's a people business, right? And, you know, nobody wants to learn about that, right? They're like, show me how to get the fast deals. What's the best list going on right now? What's the best, you know, mailing piece that you can send out right now? And I've always just said, you know, if you want to go fast, yeah, you can market. But if you want to go far, you want to network. Mm. And, uh, you know, and so that I'm imagining that if your deals are coming to you three to one organic to paid, those relationships have taken you very far. Yeah, absolutely. To your point, people want easy deals. They say they want deals, but they want easy deals. They don't want deals you got to work for. I, I got so much pushback from my students that I said, I'm going to record myself, right? Uh, it all works if you work it. Like mm-hmm. what's old is sometimes new again. Go back and do what you like. Go back into MLS. Let's see if I can't mine MLS for a deal in today's market. So I recorded a screen share of myself doing it. And so for two hours, I combed through MLS, found 10 opportunities, 10 what I thought were solid lead sources, went, called on them, explored them, and ultimately got a contract. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they can't unsee that. That excuse Mm -hmm. no longer is valid. There are deals to be had on MLS. There's deals to be had on LoopNet. There's deals everywhere, Mm -hmm. right? It's Mm -hmm. just, it all works if you work it. Yep. Having the similar conversation because of all the pushback right now with the texting regulations and everything. And people are like, oh, what am I going to do now? I was like, well, you're going to do what you did before text. Everyone was texting, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's still a people business and you got to talk to people that own property and you got to start presenting offers. Mm -hmm. Cool. So you've made this transition from you started with single families and and residential stuff and, and now you're doing commercial stuff. That sounds exciting. And you changed the asset class. But let me ask you, um, what were some of the, uh, what are some lessons or was there a pivotal lesson that you learned during COVID that you held on to and apply it to your business today? So during COVID, my realization was that those that stayed the course, I mean, pivot in a sense that you had to, right? There were some things that you had to do slightly differently, but you stayed engaged. You stayed in the game, right? You had to stay in the game. A lot of, like I think about the wholesale emails that I used to get two and three a day that are now one every other day. Where did all those guys and girls go, mm-hmm. right? They faded. They're not in the game. You can't even, if you're not playing, you can't win, right? So for us, it was, hey, let's surround ourselves with other like-minded individuals that are going to stay the course, that are going to adjust and pivot however the market dictates they should. And we're not going away. Like, and look, we're, we've been, you and I and all the other people in our mastermind, like we've been rewarded. We've thrived. We didn't just survive. We've thrived through COVID, through 2020, because we stayed the course and we were, okay, like, look, this thing isn't working. Like, let's pivot and do a variation of this thing, whatever this thing is. So yeah, we, we wholetailed more deals. We hadn't been wholetailers. Now we're wholetailing, (laughs) like, Mm -hmm. right. So that's my big takeaway from COVID. There was just, and there was a lot of time to really dig in, right? Like if you were not good at sourcing capital, like this was your opportunity to go and ring up people in your network. This was your time to acquire knowledge, right? Like uh, a lot of people turn their brains to mush watching Netflix. Like you could have gone to YouTube University and learned how to flip houses if that's what it is that you wanted to do. You could have learned about lease options, sub two, like whatever it is. Um, so we did that and, and I know that you did and so did a lot of the other people in our circle, but a lot of people also didn't. Right. Yeah, it was, it was such a time of great uncertainty when we went into lockdown. And I think everyone was just kind of scratching their head for a few weeks and then realized that um, might be this way for a minute. We all better do <laughs> something, right? Mm-hmm. 
Cool. Control so, the controllables too. Like that's yeah. the other thing, right? You like we are not epidemiologists. I don't know the first thing about like COVID, right? <laughs> I know like I want to be healthy and not get it. But beyond that, like I need to focus on the things that I can control. Uh, reaching out to people, making some care calls, trying to understand what they're doing about their finances. Anyway, it, it, you control the controllables. They don't get bogged down with the things that are outside of your control. Only words to live by. Okay, so now you're doing commercial. What's and you were saying like there's no difference. You're not seeing a real difference in, in what that type of work looks like. You kind of said when you made that transition from commercial or excuse me, residential to commercial, like it was just kind of the same thing. Yeah. So I think it's the same skill set is what I'm getting at. Like okay. you can apply the same skill set into a different asset class. I always say, even with rehabs, right? If you're doing cosmetic rehabs versus um, gut renos, the time, the energy, the effort, the dollars, they're commensurate. So they'll be slightly more because you're doing slightly more, but the ROI is exponential. The same thing, like the office building I'm standing in right now was flipped. It was bought for $26 million and flipped for $50 million three years later. If you can flip a house for six figures, you can flip an office building for seven figures. It's just mm -hmm. So construction is construction, right? It's just sticks and rocks. And the stuff you don't understand, you go find the people that do understand it. And with spreads like that, I promise you, there's, there's room there to go find the right partners. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. like for us right now, we're retrofitting a, um, a commercial office building. It used to be a bunch of office suites. We're taking that apart and we're actually um, creating a school there, like a daycare center, because there's demand for it. Like, what do we know about building out daycare centers? I've never built one. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. But I understand construction well enough to know who the right partners are. Go align with those people, do this. And it's modeled as a seven figure flip, right? We'll see how it works out. But that's how I see us evolving, taking that same skill set, just applying it to bigger asset classes as we go. How does it, how does it differ from finding like that you're, you're going straight to a seller for a single family and finding a big commercial mm -hmm. deal like you're doing right now? So even more relational. Like more relational it is, isn't it? Yep. You cannot. So when you buy a house from Mrs. Smith, it's a one and done, right? Like, or her heirs because she just recently passed, whatever the case is, like she does, she's unlikely to have a portfolio of properties to sell you mm -hmm. unless you, right? There's a unicorn, you know, every once in a while, but the reality of it is most often you're doing one and then your marketing has got to hit again so you can do another one. Right. This is so much more relational. It's about being proof. Like we had to proof ourselves to brokers as active investors who close. And mm -hmm. once you do that, now they call you with other opportunities because there aren't that many guys and girls out there that do what they say and say what they do at that level. Amen. So that's been really powerful for us as we start to like, and we're new to this, you know, we're only, this is our first foray into commercial. So we have to be careful. We can't be burning bridges. We certainly can't say we're going to do a thing and then not do it. That's, that's the fastest way to never get called back. Mm -hmm. What is, are you noticing anything, any ramifications or... I guess, consequences of a lockdown and, and the way the world has changed a little bit with regard to how we work and you know, with so much work being virtual. Do you see that impacting the commercial market? And, and if so, how? Yeah, I, I think the demand is certainly going away. It's gone away. I, I don't think it's coming back anytime soon for massive amounts of office or retail, even um, anywhere that there's 2,500 square foot retail, it's being split in half. Like nobody wants a lot of space. People just don't you know, they don't need it. Uh, the office suite thing, I still think has legs. I, I think as many people who, uh, who worked at, at home and, and were able to be productive, I think just as many worked at home and said, I can't work here. Mm -hmm. And uh, those folks, their office doesn't want them back. So they're looking for a 150-ish dollar a month, 12 by 12 
box with a window and an internet connection. Mm-hmm. So if you can create that type of co-working space with a shared kitchen, right? I think that's an opportunity. We're looking at stuff like that. It just has to make sense. You got you to know the market you're in. Um, and so I encourage people to think creatively, like what can you convert these spaces into? Fulfillment centers, flex space, right? Where like everybody wants that little piece of entrepreneurial heaven, right? Give them that thousand-ish square foot or even less up front with a fulfillment center behind. So they've got a little bit of store frontage where uh, some folks can come in and greet them and they can meet them and they can see their their wares and whatever it is that they make or cook or prepare. And then they're, they're shipping it out the back door Right, so flex space—that's that's—that's an option. Um, so we're mm-hmm. looking at all that, all that stuff. Nice, nice. You're in Florida, right? I'm in Jersey and Florida. So oh, okay. I'm in where, which right one? Now. Where do you reside? Uh, New Jersey, primarily. Okay, <laughs> that you're in Florida. Okay, yeah. cool. So, what's the uh, what's the market like there now? I mean, I know real estate is local, but it seems like it's pretty. The retail side, at least, is pretty insane everywhere. Same there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we are we are getting offers uh multiple offers above asking all cash waiving all inspections all contingencies mm-hmm. it, it's it's madness i frankly wish i had more houses to sell i, I just don't have enough like inventory just like everybody else if i had more mm-hmm. i'd be doing you know infinitely better but um that's what we're seeing here on the retail side it's uh it's it's madness it- <laughs> yeah no it is um, I just saw a conflicting headline today. Um, well, I saw one one news report said that uh, the market has finally bounced back because we had like five months of slowing sales just because of the lack of inventory. Mm-hmm. And then another news report said that um, the demand for more new mortgages had decreased by 7%. And I was wondering, I haven't read into those yet, but I was wondering, is that because people have got cash or mm-hmm. people are buying less or there's less inventory? Um, I don't know what what are the the indicators that you're seeing out there, and which direction do you think the market is going to go from here? So I, I think I mean to that point, what, what jumps out at me is is what's happening with some of my stuff, which is people know that to be competitive, they have to buy all cash. Like we we just sold at one point five five all cash, one point three five all cash. Like these guys and girls are going, and I think they're tapping family, frankly, to get these. To, to, to get what they need to make these offers really stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think there's an element of that, which has always been the case here. Um, our average sale price for a home in New Jersey is 550. So I think that's the number. And so obviously that, that's a lot. And, and so people are having to tap family to make those first time home buyer type purchases. Uh, I think we continue to see that. I don't like the printing presses aren't stopping. Um, the, the government can't afford to let us fall on our face. Like um, we're, we are too comfortable. Like we're frankly, as a society, we're too comfortable and uh, nobody wants to be the one that pops that balloon. So they're going to keep printing. They're going to keep stimulating. And uh, you know, for us as investors, that's great. We are both friends with Jason Hartman. We understand uh, income induced inflation induced debt destruction, right? Like let's lever up, let's buy cash flowing assets. Um, It doesn't matter what you're paying for them now, frankly, because um, like they're only going to go up in value. I I Mm -hmm. just, right. So uh, that's, that's where I'm at with it. But again, I'm not an economist. Like, you know, I Mm -hmm. I defer to guys like Jason uh, and whatever they say, I I do, man, because. Well, sometimes, I mean, you know, the guys on the street, like you and myself, like we might have more insight than what a Jason Hartman does mm-hmm. have. 
you know, he's looking at reports and graphs and websites and, and studies, you know, mm-hmm. and we're like, no, no, I just saw 17 people come and present an offer on this property. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? And yeah. nine of them have, were, all, were all cash. So just recently, the, um, the eviction moratorium and, and the mortgage forbearance was kicked down the road another 30 days. Once they actually let that expire, and I was listening to a, a podcast, um, oh, oh, it was the Rebel Capitalist Show, and they had uh, Ken McElroy from Rich Dad on there. Mm-hmm. And so he had a, a, an interesting take. We both have similar views of what's going on, but had very different views of what the actual end result will be. Mm-hmm. So once that, that eviction moratorium and the mortgage forbearance expires, and that, I mean, what do you think is going to happen to the market? So, I mean, the logical, or my response is, was going to be opportunity. Like that's mm-hmm. where my, that's where my mind goes immediately is there's going to be opportunity. Um, that's, that's for us, for real estate investors who are uh, well capitalized and have a skill set and, and know how to operate, there's going to be opportunity. I mean, it's hard to say what they're going to let happen or how they're going to let it happen. I just, I think that they'll have to figure out a way to um, deleverage at a rate that doesn't like cripple us. And mm-hmm. so what's that look like? I, I don't know. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily know how they're going to do that. Uh, I know that there's going to be opportunity and those who are ready, you know, um, will benefit from it. Those that are not, you won't have time to get ready. I, I just think you won't. Uh, so mm-hmm. be ready because when the time comes, I don't know that they're going to wait for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think there'll be some opportunity as well. I guess it's just the, the type of opportunity and the quantity of the opportunity. I, I look at um, you, a lot of people saying, oh, this market's going to crash. I mean, I guess I, you're going to the wrong source because I read my YouTube comments, which is probably a huge mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but people say this thing's going to implode just like it did in 2007. It's going to crash like 2007. It's going to come down hard and everyone's going to be wiped out. And I see all that. And I, so I, I understand that that view and that perspective is out there. But I don't think people realize that what we're dealing with right now is very different type of bubble than we were dealing with back then, mm-hmm. right? We just came off of a, a year to year from May to May, 22% appreciation in property. Mm-hmm. Um, so if people are get, reaching the end of their mortgage forbearance, they're going to have to start paying their mortgage again. And if they can't, um, they still have options because they likely got a lot of equity, mm-hmm. Right. So it's just going to slap it on the market and sell it and they'll cash out and pay off the mortgage and everything will be fine. And I don't know if there's going to be a big giant, you know, collapse or a flood of foreclosures, mm. but um, Ken McElroy kind of thinks there will be like, he thinks there's a lot of them out there and then they're, they're really suffering and the jobs and stuff like that. So I don't know. I'm just trying to get people's take and take their temperature and see who has the best crystal ball. <laughs> I bet right. there winds up being uh, a fair bit of both. The opportunity, yeah. like we said, it'll be there. How much of it will there be? And at what rate will it you know, find us? We'll see. Uh, I think you make a really good point about that the year-over-year appreciation piece. If they're smart and they go that route and they cash in while they can, they probably avoid a lot of pain. If we are very defiant people, a lot of Americans are very defiant, uh, they may just like buckle down and say, I'm not going anywhere. This yeah. is my house. And that could get really ugly. That could be years in New Jersey. That that's two years easy. Like mm-hmm. um, so, and they just they squat, and and yep. then who knows what that looks like? Yeah, if if you've ever worked foreclosures at all, pre foreclosures, and notice the defaults, you know uh, 
they go through these different stages of grief and mm-hmm. and a big uh, the longest part of those that stage is usually the longest one is the one that's denial like this is not going to yes. happen to me and i'm staying right here and no one's kicking me out mm-hmm. so yeah you, you got something there cool so what's in the future that uh, you're most excited about taking uh taking this new asset class on uh developing commercial and ultimately multifam doing big stuff retail on the first floor five stories above 150 unit developments just um scaling into true developers uh community builders for us that's the next step that's what i'm most excited about and in the meantime i I'm a servant first and foremost. So I like sharing my journey. So I'm always doing this type of stuff. I'm always getting connected with people, um, getting in front of my students, anything that I can do to bring value to others, because uh, I just think buried gifts are the worst thing in the world. And so if you're doing something you don't want to be doing each day, the opportunity exists in real estate for you to have freedom and do whatever it is that you want to do. And, and that's just fact. Um, get around people who, who believe that and uh, you know, five people, like five millionaires, you'll become the sixth. Get around five people who who know and believe that at their core, and uh, and you can be the sixth. So th- that's really my my mandate, you know, as a as a servant. Awesome, Gabe. It, it's this has been a lot of fun, and it's good to get to know you a little bit more. If someone wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Uh, my website, our our hub is gabedesilva.com, my name.com. Um, that's where. You can find all of our links to social. Uh, my, uh, my one thing I like to drive people to is our docu-series, The Build. Uh, so for six months, I had a videographer shadow me, and we actually um, captured the realities of what it is that we do every day. And so it's both educational and entertaining. And so it's called The Build. It's on YouTube. They can link to it from my website if they can't find it on YouTube. But uh, mm-hmm. I like to send people there first. It's free. There's no, no, no ads, nothing there. We're not selling anything. It's just a place for them to go and say, let me see what this fix and flip stuff's all about. And awesome. uh, yeah, they'll quickly realize like, hey, yeah, this looks like something I could do. Uh, or like, there's no way I want to do this. <laughs> right, right. So I, I like to send folks there as, a, as like an introduction to, to us and what we do. Perfect. Well, cool. GabeDeSilva.com. Go, ch- go check him out. And uh, let's stay in touch, bud. Thanks, buddy. This is awesome. All right. You have a good one. Take care. Talk soon. Bye. And we'll be back with the news right after this. When you go to work for your money, does it return the favor? If not, no worries. You do not have a money problem. You merely have an idea problem. We're CashflowSavvy.com, and we'd like to share a new idea with you around income real estate that can transform your financial future and accelerate its arrival. Go to CashflowSavvy.com and download a free investor's package. CashflowSavvy.com. You do not have a money problem, merely an idea problem. CashflowSavvy.com. More ideas, less worries. CashflowSavvy.com. In the news, Bill Cosby has been released from prison after the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania vacated his 2018 conviction on sexual assault charges and judgment of sentence. The Manhattan District Attorney's Office is expected to charge former President Donald Trump's namesake company and its chief financial officer, Alan Weisselberg, as soon as Thursday with tax crimes in connection with an array of perks and benefits awarded to employees. Though Trump faced multiple federal and state prosecutorial inquiries during his administration, the district attorney's indictment would be the first to charge his company, the Trump Organization, with allegedly criminal conduct. 
Trump himself isn't expected to be charged. Donald Rumsfeld, who served as Secretary of Defense during the Bush administration and the war in Iraq, has died at the age of 88. Rest in peace, sir. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell gave kudos to former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers, a stalwart of the Obama and Clinton administrations, for his recent warnings about hyperinflation as President Biden pushes forward with his massive multi-trillion dollar economic agenda. And President Trump returned to the nation's southern border on Wednesday, taking direct aim at his Democratic successor in the White House for the surge this year in migrants crossing the U.S.-Mexican border. There has never been a border so secure as the southern border that we had, and now it's opened up, the former president emphasized as he sat down for a briefing from public The former president emphasized as he sat down for a briefing from Republican Governor Greg Abbott of Texas and Lone Star State law enforcement and border officials. A woman who caused a massive pileup during the Tour de France on Saturday was reportedly arrested in France. The woman who was not immediately identified was taken into custody in Brittany, near where the Tour de France held its first four stages. The vice president of the Minneapolis City Council says she was held hostage while attending a pride celebration over the weekend. As video showed, a large group of protesters blocked her vehicle until she agreed to sign a list of their demands that included dropping criminal charges against rioters. Nothing like fighting alleged fascism with actual fascism. Ten more states, including Florida, Ohio, and Texas, ended extra unemployment benefits on Saturday. They joined 12 other states that have already opted out this month. Altogether, 26 states have said thanks, but no thanks to assistance that's available until September. Extra unemployment benefits are dividing people more than pineapple on pizza. Industry groups and Republican lawmakers say that the extra payments disincentivize. Let me say that again. Industry groups and Republican lawmakers say that the extra payments disincentivize work and are the leading cause of the worker shortage. 25 out of the 26 states that axed the benefits early are led by GOP governors. Some economists and Democrats have said that other factors, such as greater child care burdens or the fear of contracting COVID, are to blame. On Capitol Hill last week, Fed Chair Jerome Powell said that extra benefits could be playing a role in the worker shortage problem, but focused his attention on other challenges holding back the job market. The desperate search for survivors continued over the weekend following the partial collapse of the Champlain Towers South condo building in Surfside, Florida. As of the recording of this, 16 people have been confirmed dead and more than 147 remain missing. Not all recessions are created equal. As the stock market boomed last year, U.S. households added $13.5 trillion in wealth, the biggest annual increase on record. In 2008, households lost $8 trillion. Singapore's COVID-19 task force announced plans to treat the coronavirus like any other endemic disease, such as the flu. That means scrapping traveler quarantines, daily case number announcements, and intensive contact tracing efforts. Fast and Furious 9 brought in $70 million at the North American box office this weekend, nabbing the biggest opening since 2019 Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. L.A. Dodgers owners Mark Walter and Todd Bowley are buying a stake in the Los Angeles Lakers from billionaire Philip Anschultz. The deal values the Lakers at $5 billion. California is banning 
taxpayer-funded travel to five more states over what it says are discriminatory policies against the LGBTQ plus community. First, there was GameStop, then AMC, and now a four-bed colonial in Boise, Idaho. A key national home price index skyrocketed 14.6% nationwide in April, the largest annual gain in more than 30 years. Home prices in cities like Phoenix, San Diego, and Seattle are all up more than 20% year over year. Amazon acquired the exclusive rights to the Smartless podcast, hosted by Will Arnett, Jason Bateman, and Sean Hayes for between 60 and 80 million dollars. If you happen to know anyone over at Amazon, share this podcast with them. I'd be open to something like that. Now for this week in crypto. This week in crypto is sponsored by myfirstcryptocourse.com. It's the beginner's guide to investing in crypto assets that will show you how you could safely 10 to 20 times your money this year with Bitcoin, even if you're brand new to crypto. For a limited time, Mike Dillard will give you three of the top crypto assets he's invested in this year. So go to myfirstcryptocourse.com and it is yours. And when you enroll in Mike's course, email the receipt to me, Forward that invoice to me at matt at epicrealestate.com and I'll personally reply with the recording of the free web class that I did for a private group of investors and how I'm incorporating crypto to three times my return on investment. And I'll give you all of the services that I use that to make it happen, all the resources, all the links, I'll give it all to you. Get started though at myfirstcryptocourse.com. Kathy Woods, ARK Invest filed with the SEC to create a Bitcoin ETF. Soros Fund Management has cleared its traders to actively trade Bitcoin. Point72 seeks head of crypto after saying space can no longer be ignored. The move for the multi-strategy hedge fund firm, which runs $22.1 billion, is yet another bullish indicator for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Robert Kiyosaki author of the New York Times bestseller, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and founder of the Rich Dad Company, is sounding the alarm about an impending recession, recently tweeting a warning about the biggest crash in world history. He predicted that it would be a long economic downturn and encouraged people to buy and invest in gold, silver, and Bitcoin while they can. Crypto billionaire Novogratz has started raising capital for his virtual real estate firm, Republican Senator Cynthia Loomis expressed her support for Bitcoin in a national television interview on Tuesday saying that Americans should hold Bitcoin for retirement. And Tom Brady and Giselle Bündchen take equity stake in crypto firm FTX. And what could really be the biggest cryptocurrency news of the year, Bitcoin starts legal tender test on September 7th with the Bitcoin airdrop. The most popular Cryptocurrency Bitcoin will become legal tender on September 7th and will be optional for those who don't want to receive it. El Salvador's president, Nayib Bukele, said in a national address today. He stressed that Bitcoin will help to create new jobs, bring investments and accused opponents of a dirty campaign against Bitcoin and him who are trying to confuse Salvadorans by lying and creating fear where there is no problem. 
Bukele reiterated that if someone receives payment in Bitcoin after it becomes legal tender, they can automatically convert it into dollars if they want to, while pensions and salaries will continue to be paid in United States dollars. Also, according to him, every citizen will receive $30 worth of Bitcoin when they register with their wallet app. And that's the week in crypto. And that's the show. And if you found this episode valuable, who else do you know that might too? There's a really good chance that you do know someone else who would. And when their name comes to mind, please share with them. And then ask them to click the subscribe button when they get here and I will take great care of them, I promise. That's it for today. God loves you and so do I. Health, peace, blessings, and success to you. I'm Matt Terrio, living the dream. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.